Well, back in college, I was part of a small group of Christians on campus. There's a small number of us uh, in comparison with the larger student body. And I still remember the day that, and really I, not so much the day, I remember the expression on uh, one of my, you know, the other guys in, in this Christian group on his face when I came to him and told him that um, I had decided that I wasn't going to be following Jesus anymore. That instead I was going to be following you know, the, the way of all these other people. And uh, it was kind of this mixture of sadness and, and anger and um, surprise, um, you know, all of this. I don't know whatever happened to that guy. You know, I'd love to be able to get together with him again and say, hey, hey brother, I'm back. Um, but, uh, but at the time, I looked around me and I, I looked at all these people and, 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 said, and asked that fateful question. I, I, I asked, could all these people who don't follow Jesus be wrong? Um, you know, and, and of course the answer is yes, uh, they could. Uh, but, but at the time, I didn't know that. And, and I, you know, there was just so many temptations, so many things that I looked at that, that uh, they had. And, I, I, and at that time in, in my life, I decided that, in, in essence, I was going to drop out. I was going to drop out of the race. Now, today in our gospel lesson, you know, there's some kind of hard words in there. But really what Jesus is saying is, count the cost. That this thing about following Jesus, you know, for some people they treat it so casually that really the question is whether or not you're following Jesus at all, really. He says, count the cost. Now, I was counting the cost, all right, and I was saying, no, I'm going to drop out. Um, And then Jesus gives this riddle where he says, if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? And of course, the answer to that is only one way. And that is by God's power alone, because no, you know, there's no other way to be able to do that. So in my case, when he's talking about salt, he's talking about people who are believers, people who are the salt of the earth, you know? And um, thankfully, the Lord called me back to himself, called me back to following him, and uh, he's the one who made salt salty again. Now, you know, in, in uh, this series that we're in right now, what we've been talking about is building this life that makes a difference. And uh, with this, Peter talks about this word perseverance, that uh, this is part of what we need to do, is to build on this foundation of faith that we discussed uh, when we began the series. And we added to that several different levels. We uh, found out about goodness and knowledge and last week's self-control. And now, adding to that this thing that's called perseverance, which is finishing the race. Finishing the race well. Paul says of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, he says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Now, Paul is talking to people who were well-versed in the Olympics, the early Olympics, you know, the very Olympics that the Olympics we see today are based upon. And there are certain differences there between those Olympics and our Olympics today. Such as, for example, there are far more events in our Olympics today than what they had then. Also, this prize that Paul is talking about is different today than it was then. These days, you know, the athletes, they compete for medals. They compete for a gold medal, a silver silver medal, a bronze medal. But in those days, what they would do is compete for this crown that they would get at the end of, which would be olive leaves, an olive wreath kind of a crown. 
Either way, athletes are honored if they win the race, if they cross that finish line. They are honored, which is a good thing. Now, another, another difference uh, between the Olympics of today and the Olympics back then is that these days, when Olympics compete, or when, when athletes compete in the Olympics, uh, they are clothed in these pretty fancy uniforms that are aerodynamic and they're uh, decorated in certain colors and they're identified with the, their country that they're representing and all of these kinds of things. And, you know, a lot goes into these, these uniforms. But back in um, the early Olympics, they would compete without any uniforms at all. They competed completely naked, okay, which would save on the uniform budget, really, but not only that, um, you know, these days it would present some certain problems, of course, uh, but especially in the Winter Olympics, you know, that could really be a challenge. It could give uh, a new meaning to the word perseverance to be able to compete that way in the Winter Olympics. Now, uh, i, I got to tell you that I really particularly enjoy the Winter Olympics, and one of my favorite set of events are the downhill skiing events, where, you know, you've seen these where the ski racers are racing at these breakneck speeds, just doing unbelievably things. I mean, launching themselves off the planet and uh, slaloming around these gates. And they will win, the winner will win by just a fraction of a second. I mean, the difference between first and probably fifth place is, is almost nothing, just, a, just a, a blink of an eye. And, and, and yet when you watch these things, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but uh, where uh, normally the camera angle favorite camera angle, anyway, for these downhill skiing events, is from the side, which is where the, where the spectators stand along the side of the race run. And when you're looking at this on television, sometimes it can appear a little bit confusing because the gates that they're skiing around seem to blend together. Uh, and, it, you know, you, you might look at that and wonder, how in the world do these racers who are coming down this slope at the speed of a car on a highway identify which gates they're supposed to go around. I don't, have you ever wondered that, you know, as, as they're coming down this slope? Well, as, as you're looking at it from the side, it gives you this confusing angle. But uh, in reality, for the skier coming down the slope, they have a different angle, an angle that is far clearer so that they can see the route through the course. Their angle, unlike ours, is from above. Their angle is from the top of the mountain down, so they can see which gates they're supposed to go around. And the, uh, the reason why I know this is because I used to race. I used to uh, do a lot of ski racing when I used to live out in, in Colorado. And uh, I began really with doing a lot of backcountry skiing on uh, my days off, which normally were Friday. I didn't have uh, a lot of people to go skiing with because most people didn't have Fridays off. So I would go up there by myself, do some backcountry skiing, realize that that wasn't very safe, started up um, with uh, ski racing instead. And I would ski race in places with uh, names like Keystone, Vail, Crested Butte, Eldora, you know, things like that. Had a great time doing that. Uh, even, even qualified for the uh, national championships one year. Couldn't go, though, because of a little occupational interference. Uh, as well as an interference with uh, my faith and beliefs, and that is that the national championships occurred during Holy Week, which was a little bit challenging to be able to get away to <laughs> go, go to those things. But um, one year, I uh, broke my back skiing. And uh, 
one year later, after I broke my back, I was out there ski racing again, which uh, some might call perseverance. Some might call stupidity. Um, you know, pick, pick your term, you know, whichever works for you. But uh, I think that the sport of ski racing is a great illustration of this thing that we call perseverance. So work with me on this, okay? First of all, if we want to persevere in life and faith, view the course from above. View it from above. As a, just as a ski racer can see the route through the course from above by looking at it from up slope down to down slope, we can see things that we cannot see otherwise. If, if you just take the world's view, which is from the side, things can look confusing. They can look mixed up, and there can be a lot of crashing and burning going on. But instead, if you look at it from above, if you look at it from God's perspective, instead of the world's perspective, you're able to see routes through life that you could not see otherwise. Take the other day, that uh, uh, last Saturday. Pastor Tim preached last weekend, so I didn't preach last weekend. Normally what happens on a Saturday is, is that uh, Saturday is a work day for me and, and uh, uh, put in a better part of the day here at the church and, and, and with the Saturday night service, things like that. But last week, because Pastor Tim was preaching, my wife and I, it was kind of like lining up the planets, getting everything in, in order, but we were able to have what we called a date day. And normally, we will have a date night, okay, Friday night, you know, date night. Um, but this was a date day. Uh, so, you know, kind of a red-letter day. It doesn't happen very often. I, you know, in town, the twins were with their dad, uh, Pastor Tim preaching. All these kinds of things allowed us to do this. And, uh, and yet the day didn't start out, you know, as a date day. Instead, I started out trying to make use of every last moment I had to try to uh, stem the uh, the decay on, on my house. I talked about that a number of weeks ago with my deck, but now I'm trying to paint my house too. So I was painting the house first thing in the morning, and my wife came out and she said, hey, how would you like to go to see a movie tonight? I said, well, yeah, sure, that'd be fine. She said, well, what would you like to see? And uh, I said, well, I don't know, uh, that, uh, that new Planet of the Apes movie, sound, you know, it's been getting some good reviews. Maybe we could go see that. We had this certificate to a particular theater in town, so she looked that up and couldn't get tickets. She came back out and said, I can't get tickets. What else you want to see? And I, you know, I don't keep up on movies that much, but um, saw a preview for this other movie. Uh, and um, and uh, so I said to her, well, how about that new uh, Charlize Theron movie, that uh, Atomic Blonde or something like that? And it sounds like it's probably like a female James Bond movie. And I like James Bond. I mean, a great escapism. Yeah, that, that could be kind of good. So um, I continue painting. She goes in, gets the tickets. I you know, finish up there, wash up. We head out on our date day. It's great. We go for a massage, okay? Oh, wonderful. And then we, uh, we, we go out to Linda's favorite restaurant. Date day's going great. And then we are ready to go to this movie and, and just really just experience some great entertainment. So we go to the movie theater, and uh, we were completely unprepared for what we were about to see, which turned out to be the worst movie of our lives. <sighs> I tell you, you know, to, to ask my wife, she would say there was, this movie had absolutely no redeeming qualities whatsoever. It, um, you know, I would say that, yes, it was soulless, yes, it was morally bankrupt, and yes, those would be an understatement for this thing. Matter of fact, it would probably, with the violence in this thing, it probably would make um, the movie Heartbreak Ridge, um, or, or excuse me, Heartbreak, what am I saying? Hacksaw Ridge, Hacksaw Ridge, okay, if you've seen that, 
pretty gruesome, right? Yeah, the, the violence in this movie would make that seem like it should be rated PG. Um, and, and as I'm watching this, I mean, I'm just, I'm just thinking, wow, this is, this is unreal. And some might ask, well, why in the world didn't you leave? Well, because it was date day. And I'm thinking, surely this has got to get better. Surely it's got to get better, but it never did. And as I'm watching this, and I mean, it is, oh, you know, I, I tell you what, I, I could describe it in greater detail, but I'm not going to do that to you because the audience really was under assault. And I, and I don't want to continue the assault. Um, but, but as I was, I was watching it, I was thinking about this, um, this section of Scripture that I've been reading. You know, I, I try to, in the morning, do this uh, devotional time where I read through part of Scripture and pray and things like that. And I've been reading, rereading through the book of Genesis, and I had just finished reading about Noah and the flood. And as I'm looking at this, I, I am, I'm talking with the Lord and saying, Lord, how po- possibly could the generation of Noah's day possibly, possibly be more depraved than this generation? How is, is that possible that that could be the case? And I just said, come, Lord Jesus. Now, I learned two things from this. Number one, never, 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 never choose a movie while you're painting your house. Don't do that. Number two was this, that when people set their life markers, according to the world, it's like viewing that race course from the side and you can crash and burn. And we are living at a time, we are living in a society where things that are, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at things thinking, this is entertainment? But we live at a time that is like the Roman gladiators when these kinds of things are considered to be entertainment. We live at a time that badly needs the church to be the church. And yet we get sidetracked so often. The Christians... Christians have a great way of getting sidetracked on the trivial, the things that really don't matter, when really in reality what we need to do is to be able to take a different perspective to this world and take a different camera angle, if you will, to the world of the race to be able to say, you know what? There is another way of looking at this where you don't have to crash and burn. Instead, this different way of looking at it is from above, where you can see the gates and you can navigate the course and you can make it around the gates and you can make it across the finish line. But that's up to us. And that's the second thing I learned from this movie. So therefore, was it a worthwhile movie? Oh, yeah. (laughs) From this perspective, it wasn't intended to be, but it was. That we as Christians are given this opportunity to view the course from above. So don't settle for second best. Don't settle for second best. Instead, instead, view life from God's perspective, not the world's. Now, second, second thing we can learn using ski racing as our illustration here is this. Don't run the race alone. Don't run it alone. People do run alone. People do ski alone. People do try to make it through life alone. But you don't have to go it alone. Okay? Because you have other believers around you, and the believers are called the church. We all fall. I mean, like up here, you know, slip on the banana peel, run into the tree. We all have those times that we trip up. Hopefully not as bad as what I did in college. Hopefully not. But you have people around you here in the church that you can help up when they fall. 
You can be a Barnabas to them. You can be an encourager to them. We all need encouragement to be able to finish this race, to make it across that finish line. And the church is the place where you can find that. So you don't have to go it alone. Now, I know that this is countercultural. It's popular these days to think of faith as something that must be kept private, personal opinion, a solo affair. But the same ones who say you're supposed to go solo are the same ones who are saying that you need to view the race from the side where things are confusing and distorted, prone to crashing and burning. So are you sure you want to follow that route? You sure you want to go down that way? You have a new way. And it's what we call the, the, the title of this series, which is A New Way. It's a new way for life to live it this way. It involves racing with others, which makes the race a whole lot more fun and allows you to persevere. Third, to persevere, you've got to finish the race. There are many times in life when you might feel like dropping out. Challenges that make it seem like survival itself might even be in question. Well, there are other people in life we can look at for inspiration for this. One of those would be Winston Churchill, who was the one who inspired Britain to persevere when the Nazis were intent on bombing England into oblivion. He was the one who, through his words, and through his leadership, inspired the nation to persevere. And if you look, even just do a search on the Internet, you can find these quotes from Winston Churchill that can be inspirational for us, for you and me, to be able to persevere in whatever race, whatever challenge that we might be faced with now in life. So I thought I would share some of these things with you today, some Winston Churchill quotes. First one goes like this. Success is not final. Failure is not, fail- is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. Then he said, Success consists of going from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. He said, Continuous effort, not strength or intelligence, is the key to unlocking our potential. And then, If you're going through hell, keep going. I like that one. That makes sense. He he said, you have enemies? Good. That means you've stood up for something sometime in your life. And he said, the pessimist sees difficulty in every opportunity. The optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. And he said, kites rise highest against the wind, not with it. And he said, it is no use saying we are doing our best. You've got to succeed in doing what is necessary. And then uh, one of his more famous quotes sounds like Churchill. Never give in. Never, 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 never. In nothing great or small, large or petty, never give in except to convictions of honor and good sense. And finally, sure I am of this that you have only to endure, to conquer. You can't win the race unless you finish the race. So persevere. Paul knew this. He knew this. So when Paul was nearing the end of his life with a ministry that knew its share of struggles, but we can look at as being successful, he said this to his protege Timothy in 2 Timothy 4. I have fought the good fight, 
I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for His appearing. Paul finished well. He persevered. He won the crown. Now, as for you, never give up. Never give in. Never give in to the world that would have you crash and burn, but instead view life from above. Run this race with other believers and finish well. Let's pray.